At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Finsider with the PH. Hey guys, it's Kevin coming to you with the Finsider podcast, what's becoming a every two weeks Finsider podcast apparently but uh it should work out we'll uh we'll figure out exactly how we're going to do this during the off season I'm kind of liking this every other week thing uh currently I am all by myself going solo right now but that's okay um we'll talk anything Miami Dolphins you guys want to talk about give us a call at 347-326-9461 that's 347-326-9461. We'll talk about anything Miami Dolphins. Of course, we also end up talking about just about anything else you guys want to talk about. So, hey, feel free to give us a call. Uh, you can also tweet us. Just send it to at the Finsider, and we can take your questions that way. Um, Beaver's been busy. <laughs> He's a busy little beaver. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that, but hey, it works. Um, he's uh, he's sending us some questions, and since I just got a tweet from Duke telling me that he's in the queue, I guess I should switch over to my studio real quick and go ahead and bring Duke in if it will let him come in. Come on. You can do it. Hey, there it is. Hey, Duke, how are you tonight? I'm okay. Sorry about that. I had switched over to see what questions because I knew uh, Beaver was asking questions. So, Were you listening to the show in the background? 
Jim Harbaugh was a long shot because we already had a coach, and it was a, hey, we, there is a great coach available. Let's see if we can land him. Jeff Fisher, I think Jeff Fisher simply used us to try to drive up the price in St. Louis. I don't think he ever wanted to really come here. And I'm not 100% sure we really wanted him to come here. Um, and then Peyton Manning, Peyton obviously didn't want to come here. I mean, we made it we, – we, we made our effort because – you have to. You have to talk to Peyton Manning. But he didn't want to come here. I, I, I'm i sure that they talked numbers at some point, but I don't think it was ever really a big deal. Um, but if the team is going to go after Wallace, I mean, it makes sense to go after him. But I don't know. $12 million a year seems like a lot of money. Especially for a receiver that that has the Brandon Marshall drop touchdowns hands. But well, given see, 
surprisingly enough, this is where Omar Kelly and I disagree. And I am, he says that you can find all kinds of Jennings receivers in the draft, but you can't find a lot of Wallaces. And I can understand where he's coming from. But if you were talking about strictly a need for speed, I think there are several receivers in this draft that would qualify for the speed factor. Now, no, did we lose you, Duke? We may have just lost Duke. Yep, my board has him gone. So um, I think what he's saying is if you're simply going after Wallace for speed, th- there are receivers out there that – you can draft, you can find that are cheaper than twelve million a year. Um, now, somebody like Jennings, who one already knows the system, he knows the coach, he has a history with the coach, he knows what type of offense that uh, Philbin runs. So, it it, it kind of makes more sense to put Jennings as your number one, but. Maybe it's more of a case, and this is just thinking of this right now, but maybe it's more of a case of Jennings doesn't have to be our number one. He's already sold to come to Miami, and Miami's already sold to go get him, that we need to go hard after Wallace to convince him to come down here. And I read it. It may have been in this Omar story. I'm not sure. I read it somewhere. Um scanning right now, and I don't see it in the Omar story, so I'm not sure where I read it, but it's a great point that you're going to have a tougher time selling Mike Wallace to come here, because if he if he turns to teammates and says, hey guys, what do you think of going to Miami? People he knows, one guy's going to immediately jump up and down and talk about how horrible a move it would be, and it's Ryan Clark, who clearly has a grudge against the Dolphins, because he thought he was worth much more than the Dolphins and Jeff Ireland were going to pay him, and so he left Miami thinking he was coming down here to sign a deal, left Miami feeling like Jeff Ireland had um, embarrassed him and hadn't offered him a worthy contract, and so he went back up to Pittsburgh and signed a contract for less than what he was hoping to get, and then he immediately came out and started bad-talking the Dolphins. So anybody close to Wallace, that's the guy that's going to talk about the Dolphins. So, I, I mean, I don't know how much Mike Wallace is going to talk to Ryan Clark about coming to Miami, but it was a valid point. I just I wish I could credit who I read it from. Um, and if anybody listening to the podcast heard or read that and can tell me where I read it, please let me know. Duke, you're back? Yes. So welcome back. Um, you were saying about Wallace versus Jennings, and they're not – are you differing with Omar about there being lots of Jennings? <clears throat> Well, and I read that article, and what he was saying was that there's only so many receivers like Wallace that are that, that are you have to keep a receiver safety over top of to prevent the D ball, the 
coverage. So, and I can see where he's going with that. Here's the problem that I have: <clears throat> is that um, you're going to be paying a guy roughly 12 million a year to play in an offense where he's not going to be. I guess what I'm saying is, is it cost effective? Um, now he's going to say, well, that'll change everything. And of course, he's saying that Jeff Allen needs to save his job by having a, you know, Pro Bowl type receiver. But I disagree. I think that you can, you know, look at what we did this past year. I mean, Best was Best. You know, if he hadn't got hurt, he could have been over a thousand yards. Harlan went over a thousand yards. Had opportunity for you know a few touchdowns that uh, you know just didn't kind of go his way. So. It wasn't like our offense was was completely uh, terrible. Yep. And I know a lot of fans would be like, um, what? But, you know, we had a rookie quarterback throw into some unheralded guys who, in a way, stepped up a little bit. Now, do we need some help? Absolutely. We do need to get uh, faster. We do need to get more athletic. And we do need to get more explosive on offense. But is Payne Wallace $12 million a year to catch – 70, 80 balls a year going to do that. And, you know, you're looking at you're, – you're running a type of offense that – they want to spread the ball around. If you look at what Green Bay did when Philbin was offensive coordinator, they spread the ball around, you know, between – usually between three to four guys. You usually got an equal amount of – or roughly equal amount of targets. In 2011, <clears throat> uh, Jermichael Finley, Greg Jennings, and – I believe it was uh, Donald Driver. No, Jordy Nelson, I'm sorry. Those three guys all saw within 10 targets of each other. Now, that that all sounds good, but you've got to understand that, you know, you're paying Mike Wallace, you know, $12 million a year for 90 to 100 targets uh, right. a season. So, you know, unless he just suddenly becomes Mr. Vacuum and catches everything, you're probably looking at paying $12 million a year for 60, 65, maybe 70 catches for those 100 targets. And he's saying, well, you know, do you need, you know, he's the only guy that can make a safety come over the top. But there are guys in this draft that Keith and I looked at, and we talked about on the roundtable last week, there's a couple of guys in this draft that have the speed, that have the uh, ability to create after the catch to uh, to you know, open up a defense. It goes back to that one play that I, I talked about before. It was on the, um, another side I looked at. They had pictures of it was the Buffalo Bills game, and they showed Devon Best catching the pass and how the safety never had to honor the deep pass. But, you know, you don't have to have this super-duper, you know, fast guy. You just have to have a guy with speed. Look at Green Bay's receivers. None of those guys are sub four four. Every one of them are, you know. I think um, Randall Cobb is the fastest, and he was a four four six guy. Um, coincidentally enough, Rashad Matthews ran a four four four. So we've got some speed on the team. I think we just need the right blend. And personally, I would rather there's some guys in this draft that I would rather go after and develop, and bring in a veteran like Craig Jennings, who will be a little bit cheaper than twelve million a year. Use that money to go out and find some other free agents in, in, in areas that we need. <clears throat> Another guy that we've talked about is uh, the Cherilus, um, the the right tackle from Detroit Lions. Right. He was uh, rated as the number two right tackle by Pro Football Focus. 
he's a guy that they're going to let go. So um, he can be signed for probably five to six million a year. Now, I would rather pay Jennings say nine million a year and use some of that extra three million that we would save for Wallace to go after somebody else to help other positions. I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I think what Omar is doing with with what he's saying is that we have to win right now. That everything yeah. is about right now. And yes, Wallace is a young guy, but he mentioned it later on Twitter that if we go after these guys, that we're going to be on a soup diet for the next few years. And I'd rather not be on a soup diet. I would rather trust my coaching staff to develop young players. Um, I'm I'm probably one of the few people that I kind of expect Richard Matthews to have kind of a Victor Cruz breakout type year. Um, Victor Cruz, I don't know if a lot of people know everything uh, or his story, but he was an undrafted player from UMass. He was at UMass. Um, he uh, he had a really good off, a really good preseason, got a bunch of touchdowns, had a bunch of yards in one game, and then he disappeared. Nobody ever heard from him again. They thought, you know, he's fifth, sixth guy on the on the depth chart. Came in in 2011, and people got hurt. He stepped up and you know, became, you know, a phenomenon. And I think Rashard Matthews has similar skill set, some you know, better speed, um, similar size. And I think when you add players around, um, you know, when you're starting a guy like Rashard Matthews, a seventh round pick, you're you're struggling. And there was games this year I think he started. So, you know, I think if you bring him in as a fourth guy, let him develop, uh, bring in some guys in the draft, you can find some speed if that's what you need, but bring in the right blend of players and use the money better. Um, and maybe that's just my personal philosophy. I tend to be one of don't don't blow all this money on, on free agency. Go, you know, use free agency life. I would rather buy seven players with the $35 million that we have than four players with the $35 million that we have. I would rather go into this draft with our – load of draft picks that we have in the first five rounds and find players that we can develop. So in three years from now, not only it's still a good cap spot, but we have good players as well. Yeah, I think uh, two two things that popped up during while you were talking. The first one was your, your point of we have to have Pro Bowl receivers. Brian Tannehill almost turned Brian Hartline into a Pro Bowl receiver. I mean, he was an alternate for the Pro Bowl. So the argument that you have to land a Pro Bowl receiver is not necessarily true because if Ryan Tannehill as a rookie could make Brian Hartline to that level, if you get somebody who and, – and no no offense to Brian Hartline because I like Brian Hartline. But if you get somebody who's another step ahead of him, you have a Pro Bowl receiver as long as Ryan Tannehill continues to do what Ryan Tannehill does. Excuse me. And then the other point was uh, Beaver asked how many catches did Jordy have? Jordy Nelson, who in 2011, which would have been the last year under Philbin, um, he had 1,263 yards on 68 catches. So, I mean, th- there you go right there. That's under 70 catches. So if you're paying a guy $12 million a year, are you really okay with him getting the ball 68 times? Yeah, I think that's that's just what you're going to look at. I mean, <clears throat> and it, you know, I know I don't want to 
you know, step on toes and everything, but you know, I, I kind of think that uh, Omar is building his offense when he talks about this stuff. And I agree. I was on the, the Wallace the Wallace bandwagon, but after looking at some of these draft picks, um, I'm not entirely sure that we can't find a speed guy in this draft. Now, no, he's not going to necessarily be as polished, polished as Wallace is right now, but you always run the risk when you sign these free agents that you're 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 going to to bust. Um yep. you know, people say look at Vincent Jackson, well he 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 panned out well. Um <clears throat> you know, but you can you can look back at the you know, Antonio Bryant from a few years ago. Dude had a great season. I think he made the Pro Bowl. Uh, you know, went and signed for a bunch of money and disappeared and you know, nobody knows where he is now. So not gonna say that's what happened with Wallace, but <clears throat> as Omar said there's about, you know, a few plays that this guy can run that you can't run with other guys. But I don't want to pay a guy twelve million a year to run a few plays that only he can run that other guys can't. I want a complete receiver for twelve million dollars a year. Yeah. Would I want Brandon Marshall for twelve million dollars a year? You know, absolutely, talent wise. He's worth it. I mean if you look at what he does on the field, guy's unstoppable. He's probably one of the few guys in the league that, that could handle a guy like Daryl Rivas. And, and and I think uh, it was last season that, uh, or 2011, that <clears throat> that um, that Revis, I think it was like the first five or six games, had only yielded ten catches in that, in that time span. And five of them were to Brandon Marshall. Um, so, you know, I would pay a guy like that. Uh, Calvin Johnson, absolutely. Larry Fitzgerald, absolutely. Guys of that guilt. A guy like Mike Wallace, in my opinion, is not a number one guy. He is he cannot run all the routes that I would expect a guy making $12 million to run. For this simple fact, you don't see him running, you know, deep crossing routes. You just don't. Why? Because he's a smaller guy. He runs across the middle like that. He's going to get, you know, decimated by some linebacker or safety. You don't see that. You say that for the big guys. Now, in this offense, we don't necessarily run that a lot, but to me, I think you'd be more cost-effective by, um, you know, going for a guy in the draft and signing a guy like Jennings, who, number one, is already familiar with the offense. He's going to come in from day one, and he's going to know what's going on. Because I don't know, I can't remember what year he was drafted, but I believe Sherman was there, was he not? Uh, I think so, yeah, I think so. So, I mean, he knows Fielding. He knows Sherman a little bit, so he knows kind of how how they're going to do things. To to make um, the, the terminology, he's going to already know what's going on. So he can immediately step in on day one from training camp. He will go out there, and when Tannehill calls some stuff in the huddle, he's going to know immediately. There's not going to be this. Um, learning terminology and stuff. I'm not saying Wallace can't do that, but he's already – it's kind of like the same thing with the, you know, we drafted Tannehill because he already knows the offense somewhere. Right. You know, we have some inside information. It's going to be the same way with Jenny. And it's not like Jenny's is some slouch. I mean, you'd hear you'd hear people talk about it, say like, um, <clears throat> you know, like oh, well, you, know, you get Wallace because he's so elite and so great. And a guy like Jenny's, uh, you know, I get, you know, whatever. No, it's not like that. I mean, Jennings is still going to get good money, and he's going to get good money from someone. And he's already expressed the fact that he wants to come down here, and I, you know, I, I'm okay with that. For, for this fact of that, 
you know, a lot of people talk about his injuries or his age, but you're still going to get two to three good seasons out of him, at least. And you can draft a guy or a number of guys in those three years who can come in and step in and take over that spot. And I think, I guess my opinion has come just from, you know, um, talking with Keith a lot and watching a lot of film of some of these guys coming out of this year's draft. You know, Mike Mayock came out the other day and said that there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of difference makers in this draft. But and I read a, an article by Armando about that, and it was kind of like, oh great, we need all this help, but there's not any super duper elite prospects. Well, there's there's never that many in a draft anyway. First yeah. of all, um, if you want an elite prospect in any draft, you need to be in the top five. You know, you just, it's rare that you find elite prospects. You know. 30 deep in a draft. It doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, you hit on some guys and miss on some guys, but usually your blue chip guys are your top five or six and you're done. So we're at 12. It doesn't matter. We're not getting a super duper blue chipper anyway. But there, but in terms of difference makers, there are plenty of receivers in this draft who are built for what the Dolphins want to do. I mean, I can just sit here and name four or five off the top of my head that I've watched that I could say, this guy, would you could put him in right now working into the offense, and in two years, this guy will be a star. I honestly believe that. So, to me, if you're starting to rely on free agency a little too much and paying all these guys this big money, that it's telling me that you don't trust your coaches to develop these guys. And, you know, yeah, there's not a there's not a Calvin Johnson in this draft, but there are plenty of Greg Jennings types in this draft who, you know, Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and James Jones, I mean, James Jones had more touchdowns than anybody this year. Um, and who would have thought that coming into the season? So there are plenty of guys out there that can that can get the job done without having to pay $12 million a year to, um, to run, you know, three or four routes that only he can run. And the world, you know, a lot of people get this idea that we're going to throw the deep ball a lot. But you don't want to throw the ball, you know, you want to throw the deep pass. Like everyone was thinking, you know, the really deep pass. You could probably do that maybe twice a game at most. You know, I, to me, I just think you can you build through the draft, you find some pieces through free agency, you be cost-effective through free agency and not overspend just because um, you have the money to spend or there's pressure to spend. So, um, and uh, Finn Gator on the site says that he believes we're going to get Wallace and Jennings. So, I could see us doing that. I just, I don't know that I'm going to tie up that much money in, into receivers. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of money. But um, okay, real quick, three things. First off, Jennings got to Green Bay the year after Sherman was fired, so okay. they were not they were not there. Sherman got fired after the 2005 season. Jennings was drafted in 06. Um, second thing is, it was actually a. Uh, Armando article that brought up the point that uh, Ryan Clark, that Ryan Clark uh, Miami thread that could make Mike Wallace not want to sign in Miami. So just to go back and actually cite who said that got me thinking about it. And the third thing was um, in Omar's article about Wallace and being worth $12 million a year. He does have a great point. That's what we just gave Jake Long. I mean, we we essentially gave Jake Long $12 million this year. So, 
you're, you're giving a left tackle who is not one of the top left tackles in the league because he's not anymore. And could he be? Sure. But he, he'd have to actually be healthy and be in the best shape of his career, which is what he's saying again this year after saying it last year. But you're giving a left tackle that money. So, I mean, when you look at it that way, um, I guess uh, I guess it kind of makes sense to go wide receiver for $12 million a year, but that's still a lot of money. And, I mean, that, that's basically, what, a fourth of the Dolphins' salary cap? space yep. this year. So that that's that's a big Yeah, that's a big uh I mean, I mean don't chunk of change. It's not my money. It's not yeah. my money. And if they sign Wallace and he comes down here and he lives up to his contract, I mean I mean I I think you could argue for the most part Brandon Marshall lived up to his contract. He could have scored a few more touchdowns, but he played well for the money we was paying. Yep. Um, so I think, um, you know, if he comes down here and plays well, scores 10 touchdowns a year, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm absolutely cool with that. And I, I like the fact that he's only 27, so you're, you're probably figuring, you know, you can get him for five years and do well. Um, I just like the idea of, of looking at players in the draft and, and finding better fits. And I don't know that Wallace is necessarily the best fit. So for $12 million a year, I'm with the best fit. And also to go along with the left tackle stuff. I don't think the problem with fans paying left tackles, I mean, there's some out there who would say, you know, oh, you can't pay left tackles that kind of money. But I think the problem is not paying Jack Lynn that type of money is paying, well, uh, let me say it this way. I don't think fans have a problem paying Jake Long, the pro bowler, that kind of money. Yeah, exactly. I think they have, I think they have problems paying Jake Long, the, uh, the guy on IR, that kind of money. So, yep. um, I mean, if he was still playing at, at an elite level, I would absolutely sign for that kind of money. And, so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you don't want to top that much money in the offensive line, blah, blah, blah. But left tackles get paid. I mean, it's just they what do. it is. Uh, you know, a good left tackle, a good left tackle gets paid. So, um, I mean, this idea that, well, you don't want to throw that kind of money, you know, if an elite left tackle, if Joe Thomas hits the free agent market, and there's going to be a school talk that says, we don't want to go after him, we can, just, we can make do with a, good left tackle. We can find an average left tackle win games, and that may be true. But the point still remains that there's some team out there that says, you know what? Screw Mike Wallace. I'm going to get Joe Thomas and solidify my line and, you know, be great. And they're going to pay him a buttload of money to do it. So, yeah, I mean, it just depends It just depends what you're doing with the money. Um, and as you said earlier, if they're making Mike Wallace the top priority, and Jake Long's not coming back. You can't afford both of those guys. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely. Um, I think, I think, I think what we need to realize as fans is that yes, we can sit here right now and say, you know what, we can have Jonathan Martin play left tackle for cheaper money than Jake Long, but in three years. If Jonathan Martin is playing at a level that Jake Long was playing at for his first three years, we're going to have to pay Jonathan Martin that huge number. So you're 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 dead on right. A elite top of the line left tackle costs money in this league. Um, 
The other thing that I saw today. Not even elite. Good left tackle. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Martin comes in next year. Of course, his rookie rookie, uh, contract, which I think he's got three more years on. Yeah. Let's say over the next three years, he yields at most three sacks a season. Don't even have to make the Pro Bowl. Just becomes a, a very good left tackle. He's going to be paid. And by, and by paid, I mean $10 million a year. Now, if he steps up and becomes the best left tackle in football, it's going to be $15 million a year. Yep. I mean, I mean, left tackle has, I believe, the, the third highest franchise tag number behind pass rushers and quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So, yep. You know, while a lot of people are saying, well, you know, the NFL, you know, you need to pay the playmakers more. The guys who write the checks are still writing the checks for these offensive linemen. So, yes. Um, and I think I think it's a valid point because look at how fast running backs fell off. But left tackles are still being paid that number, and they're getting higher and higher every year. So mm-hmm. even though running backs have taken a nosedive, because but they score touchdowns, they get the ball. They they do all that stuff. They aren't seen as necessary pieces anymore. You can plug and play your running backs. But left tackles, if they are good left tackles, they're going to get the money because you're paying a ton of money to that defensive end to get to the quarterback. Every team is paying a ton of money for that defensive end to get to the opposing quarterback. So you know that that guy lining up against your left tackle is being a paid is being paid a ton of money to get to your quarterback. You have to have somebody there to protect your quarterback. And left tackles know that. It's the blind side. I mean, that's the way it is. The only way right tackles stand a chance is if they have a left-handed quarterback. (laughs) Yeah, and I think there are five positions right now. Um, And I promise I'm working on a post. Um, (laughs) It's just been really busy, so um, I've not been able to – get it completely ironed out, and it's a very long post, unfortunately. Uh, people who are familiar with my stuff on the site know that uh, when I write, it's usually a novel. Um, Is this so your five-page post or whatever it was? Do what? Is this your five-page post? Eight-page. Eight-page um, post, okay. Additional <laughs> value post. But I think, I think right now there are five positions in the NFL that, that you would have to consider paying the huge – Huge money to, uh, and of course number one's quarterback. They stand on their own. The other two are kind of paired together. The next highest, in my opinion, and these are not necessarily. I don't want to give away all of my posts, but I think these are the top five positions that you see earn the most money because these are positions that just people that are so important. It's quarterback, defensive end, and I'm going to go with the four three defensive end because I think those guys are a little more. They get paid a little more than three, four pass rushers, left tackles, wide receivers, and cornerbacks. Those are the guys that if you want to sign in free agency or sign from your own team that you're going to have to fork out huge money to. So um, I think if you're going to go out and spend money in free agency, I think you have to identify one of those needs. I'm not one of these, you know, I was all about getting some Carl Nicks last year. I would love to have him on the team. Don't want to pay a guard a huge bunch of money, though. So if you're going to go out and spend money in free agency, do it on a wide receiver. <clears throat> so, but my, you know, and I don't want to keep beating that dead horse here. But my, I think I'd rather sign Wallet. I'd rather sign 
Jennings for nine million a year, say, than Wallace for twelve. So do you go but, out yeah. Do you go out this off season and make an offer to um Victor Cruz? No. And um Keith did a radio interview yesterday for Pro Football Central. Uh really good. And they touched on this, the uh the host of that show. Uh, they were represent he was representing the Finsider and he specified with PH. <laughs> and um, the um he said that, you know, what about a first round tender for that guy? And and as soon as I heard it, I knew what Keith was gonna respond and I had, cause I felt the same way about it. But I don't know that I'm gonna give up a first round pick for that guy and that's what it's gonna take. Um plus the fact that he's he's played around some talented players. Uh you've had Hakeem Mix taking coverage as well. And, and, you know, um, he didn't so much last year, but he still kind of helped out. My thought process is I think we've got a guy similar to that on our, on our team right now, and that's Rashard, Rashard Matthews. I think you can find a guy like Victor Cruz in the draft. I don't think he's such an elite talent, and he's a good player, but I don't think he is such an elite talent that I'm willing to throw the big money and the first-round pick at. If he yeah. was a, an unrestricted free agency or unrestricted free agent, absolutely, I'd go for it. Because he fits the scheme, um, but that first round pick makes it a no for me. I think uh, I, th- I think that's the key point right there is that he's going to take big money and a first round pick. I think if you if if this was what 2010, you could probably do that because a first round pick is going to cost you big money. But if you Look at it now where the rookies aren't going to cost you that huge number. You could go out and get a top-of-the-line wide receiver. And now, granted, that's assuming that Corderell Patterson or Keenan Allen are top-of-the-line wide receivers. But even if they're not, you're paying so much less to them. Which brings me back to another point that I wanted to bring up earlier and I forgot and now I just remembered it. Okay, we, we're, we're stuck or we're looking at this $12 million a year number for Mike Wallace. But the, the point to that is that's an average. So if you can give him $10 million, $8 million or something the first year or two, and granted it all depends on how it's worded and the guaranteed money and all that, but then backload some of it so it's $20 million the final year or something – you cut him before you get there, or you restructure it. <clears throat> so he could still come away with that $12 million a year number, but not actually be making $12 million a year. So th- that's the other thing that we have to remember is that when we say these $12 million per year numbers, we are averaging, not saying he will make $12 million every single year. So that that's yeah, so just something I thought of while we were talking about it and wanted to make sure to put that out there. But there was no answer man tuck it. I don't understand, Ohio. That, um, that leads into uh, that leads into something else that uh, yeah. we could hit on to go with this, and I'm not sure how he would put, how he would say his name on here. So I'm just going to call him 88, N-E-T-E 88. So 88 post a question says, um, how many – of our free agents, do we keep if we keep any of them? And I think that goes into 
you know, we were talking about what's available in free agency. So you've got to think about it. If we guess for, say, Wallace and Jennings at the same time, there's no more Hardline. Yeah. You're not paying Hardline $6 million a year, and then those guys, um, you know, that's $27 million roughly, if I did my math right. $27 million a year average for three receivers. Um, no. Um, so depends on what they do with Hardline. Um, I am of... I am of the opinion that I think Sean Smith should will will go elsewhere. Um, I don't know that he is the best fit for our particular defense, which leads into the, the free agent guy that I, I knew would be available and more than likely will be available, and that's Chris Gamble. Uh, I am really hoping that we sign that guy. I believe he's from the Miami area, and um, he, he's a very good player. I think he would fit with what we wanted to do. Um, I think if anybody gets the franchise tag, it's going to be Randy Starks because the franchise number the franchise number for defensive tackles will be roughly about what it's going to cost him per year to sign. Right. So go ahead and franchise him and then work on a deal he's not going to get more than what he's probably going to ask for anyway. Whereas with Sean Smith, you're, in my opinion, overpaying or Harline, you're overpaying. <clears throat> um, I really think they're going to bring back Chris Clemens. Um, I think they could go for a safety in the draft as well. Um, I think we talked the other night about uh, Philip Thomas, or as we call him, Philip Michael Thomas. Um, <laughs> or a guy like that in the, the second or third round bringing a safety. For some competition, I really think they're going to bring back Sano. Um, I think that for what he does, they can they will re-sign him because he's a smart player, good blocker. He's an effective guy. He's not a scene buster. He's not an athletic tight end. He's not going to be, uh, you know, never going to be in discussions being a super great tight end. But he's a guy that you can play. And I, I believe it may have even been um, uh, one of the beat writers said something about using him in the H-back type role, saying that when he did that this past season, his production went up. So, sign him. He was in the number two tight end when David Martin was here in 2008 had a career year. So, um, I think as a number one tight end, he's going to struggle to to be that guy. As a number two tight end, and not just a blocking guy, but a number two tight end target. If we run a, if we run a two tight end set, and if Fasano and rookie A or a guy like Martellus Bennett or Michael Finley, he's going to be very effective. Um, he's because he knows how to get open. He's not going to be the primary target, and I think they're going to bring him back for that reason. And you know he's not going to be expensive. You're not looking at, um, not going to be looking at a you know. Ten million dollars a year. We're talking about a four, four, twenty-four and six million a year. So, you know, again, save some three million by signing Jennings. Use three million of that to re, to re-sign Fasano. So I think Starks, Fasano, and Clemens are my three free agents that I would definitely bring back. Hartline is depends on how they feel about everything. Um, and Ohio brings up a good question in, in the in the thread. Talks about who's going to be the the team leader in the secondary. Um, I think if you bring in a guy like Gamble, uh, just because he's a veteran, he would, he would become a leader. But I really think that 
needs to be Rashad Jones. Yeah. If he's going to step up Jones. and be the safety that they they we all think he can be, and we're all being told that he is, I believe he's got to be the leader in the secondary. He's got to be the guy. And I believe they're. I've read that they're in talks with um, with um, extending him, and I would absolutely do that. Um, there's not going to be a better free agent. Uh, a the better free agent that's probably going to hit the market that's going to come to Miami. The only person maybe Ed Reed. I don't. I, don't, I think he could re-signs with, with Baltimore. Um, uh, Jarris Bird is going to get franchise tags if he doesn't get re-signed. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that you're not going to. You know, other than if we bring in a veteran, veteran corner like Chris Gamble or someone like that who who is going to immediately step in and be that leader. I think Rashad Jones has to take, has to take those reins now. Right. Um, uh, real quick, uh, Gamble did go to high school in Davies and in Fort Lauderdale. He split between two high schools, but yeah, he did go to high school in Davies. He was born in Massachusetts up in Boston. So he, he was born in the heart of Patriot country, but he went to high school down in Davies. And then uh, he went to Ohio State, so who knows where his allegiance lies. The bastard. I didn't say that. Well, uh-huh. absolutely not. Ohio like that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, before you go on, Keith, how are you tonight? All right. How are you? Not too bad. I've had you on the air for a little while. I just didn't bother to uh, say anything. <laughs> did you call Chris Campbell a bastard? I did not. I would not do that. Right, I must have just heard that. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I, I uh, not to cut you off, Duke, but I actually, um, Levi from over at Silver and Black Pride emailed me today about the Dolphins' potential uh, free agents, specifically asking Hartline Long, Stark, Smith, and Clemens. And what, are, what do I think the chances are of the Dolphins retaining them? And what are the, some of their strengths and weaknesses and stuff? Going through the line, um, I, I I said I expect Hartline to be back next year. I, I I do, but like you said, if we land both Jennings and Wallace, I can see Hartline walking away. I mean, I, I just think money wise, he's not going to be back. Um, I think the only way Long comes back is if it's a lower base salary with a whole bunch of incentives. It still counts the same on the salary cap for the current year, but if he doesn't reach those incentives, the Dolphins would then save that salary cap space and roll it over to next year. So, uh, I don't know. Long I'm up in the air about. he He's saying the right things. The Dolphins are saying the right things, but in the end, who knows where it's actually going to land. Um, I think you're right that Starks is probably the guy that gets the – franchise tag it could be smith and i know that some some beat writers are saying that the dolphins are really considering franchise tagging smith armando is absolutely saying that everything he hears is they will not in any way shape or form franchise tag smith so it kind of goes back and forth um i i think it makes sense starks and it it follows exactly what they did with solii you franchise tag him for a year. You work on the long-term deal. Even if he has to hit free agency next year, you work the long-term deal. Um, and then Clemens is – see, I, 
I don't know. I don't know how to read Clemens and these reports that the Dolphins are in discreet discussions with him and Hartline, and uh, that Clemens and Hartline are the priority to to try to get. I I, I would have told you that Clemens is gone. That the Dolphins are going to look to bring in somebody else to play safety. But the reports say the Dolphins want him back, so I, I don't know. I mean. We are to, to put this out there, and again, this also goes to the Mike Wallace discussion we had. We are hitting smokescreen season, and we haven't talked about it yet, but we are definitely hitting smokescreen season. And you float the balloon out there that says, "Oh, we really want Mike Wallace," and then you go after Greg Jennings or something like that. So, it, it, we we do have to remember to take everything with a grain of salt right now, and that. Even if the reports say our number one topic is um, Mike Wallace, it's a report. It's not actually necessarily written in stone somewhere. So, yeah, and and I don't know what all Keith heard, but I was saying Keith that um, uh, you know Omar's been pimping this uh, Mike Wallace pick, and everybody's thinking you know we need to go after him, but for twelve million a year, I just don't know that he's going to fit our offense at twelve million. And I know you and I would agree that there are guys in this draft that we can draft, that we could get for speed purposes. So I was saying I would rather get a, a Greg Jennings at nine million a year as opposed to Wallace for twelve million a year. Use that three million somewhere else. And and, and uh, Kevin, you were talking about the safeties uh, with Chris Clement, and and this is a well, when Keith posted that Kenny Vaccaro um, video post, I made a comment in there and I said that I think the problem is more the corners than the safeties. If you put two of the best safeties in the league on our current secondary and throw Nolan Carroll, Jimmy Wilson, and Sean Smith out there as your primary cover corners, our secondary is still going to be bad. Yep. But if you leave Rashad Jones and Chris Clemens out there, and bring in some elite talent or very good corners, our secondary improves. So I'm not opposed to bringing back Clemens for the simple fact that, yeah, we might find an upgrade in the draft, and I'm, I'm down with that, but I don't think those guys were the issue as much as the cornerbacks were. And, and before the season started last year, and Tyrone Culver was coming in as the starter, I, I was on Chris Clemens then. I like Clemens. I really do, because he is a solid Safety. He's not going to make the great, flashy Ed Reed type play, but he's not going to get caught out of position that often either. He's a solid safety. I, I really think in the end he could be somebody like Jeremiah Bell. Not a huge name that's going to be flashy and is going to make great plays all the time, but he's somebody who is going to make the plays that you need him to make. And then Rashad Jones could become that flashy, make the big play and everybody loves you because you made an interception type of player. That Very much so, those two could pair off with each other. And I do. I really like Chris Clements. I kind of hope they do bring him back. But like I said, I I really, going into this offseason, I thought he was gone and they were going to go after somebody else. Who that somebody else is, I have no idea, unless it's Keith's boy, Vaccaro, in the first round. He's not my boy. What? He was your boy. He's not. He I was. Put him up there. Wouldn't have a problem with him. But I think going to Duke's theory here that with uh, Clemens and Jones really starting to come into their own, 
these guys really developing into their respective positions. Uh, it's imperative for the Dolphins this, this off season, uh, whether it's via free agency, the draft, or both, get uh, uh, some they upgrade the talent at corner to complement what they have at safety now with these guys coming along. So I mean, like I think the the gamble route's a great one, uh, the Chris Gamble one, even though you called him a bastard. I think I did not. I, I I was talking about you. Right. Well, that's fitting. So, <laughs> I can't argue with, with you on that one, but uh, I would say at, the, at this point, if I hit a boy in this draft uh, in the first round, it's probably going to be True Font. Uh, we're seeing some mocks come out now that have him going uh, number thirteen overall to Tampa. So I mean. Not that we need mocks out there to validate what we already know and what I think we will see uh, following Trufant's per, uh, performance at the Combine, which I believe is uh, Tuesday, next Tuesday. So uh, that that would be my my boy, I guess you would say. And then if, we, if we're in the <laughs> second round, the thing he mentioned with Mike Wallace is, is important to note because I think uh, if we bring Hartline back, and the thing about Jennings is – and uh, you see a lot of people right now that are starting to second-guess the Jennings thing, like the Jennings thing, like, is that going to go through? What's going to happen? Uh, no team in the NFL needs Greg Jennings' skill set more than us. Yeah. And, and no team can pay Greg Jennings like we can this offseason. Two very two very important things to note on that one. He's not going to, in terms of uh, who values him and who's going give, to give him the kind of money he's looking for out of Green Bay, I would say that we win on both counts. So... That's just something to keep in mind. But uh, if we choose to pass on Mike Wallace, I think it's because we're going to look for another guy with uh, initials MW, and that's Marcus Wheaton out of Oregon State. And you're seeing a lot of people who originally thought that guy was a third-round pick. I'd say he's like a high two right now. And if, you, if you're bringing Hartline back and you have Richard Matthews in there and you're able to put Sass back in the slot and you're able to add Jennings, Marcus Wheaton, and then say a guy like Stedman Bailey in the third, that is a completely revitalized receiver core, in my opinion. I mean, now now you're talking. I mean, there are plenty of options, and there are plenty of guys who can who can work with Tannehill, who can develop him. Uh, all savvy route runners, all guys who who really get it and get what we're trying to do on offense. So just those guys would be my boys too. We're just going to start calling everyone my boy. Well, even though I, I think your bandwagon yeah. is like 27 players big right now, isn't it? It's not. No, it's actually it's actually at twenty six. That's a dirty lie. Damn, so close. Oh. Well, yeah, and I, and I mean, I was going to say, and I mentioned earlier, there's probably a handful of receivers that we could just name that are in this draft. That yeah, Armando came out with an article uh, earlier in the week saying that Mike Mayock said that there's no, you know, blue chip, you know, super duper elite prospects in this draft, but we're drafting at twelve anyway. So, you know, most of your blue chippers are gone by then. But as far as receivers that fit what Miami does, that, you know, that will be good players. You don't have to find a Calvin Johnson's all the time. Um, you know, I mean, look at look at the Super Bowl champions. I mean, they picked up uh, Antoine Bowman's free agent. Torrey Smith was a second-round pick. Um, you know, you don't have to have these super elite, receivers to, to win. You have to have a good set that they fit your scheme and, and do well. And there are so many receivers in this draft that fit that. That, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if Robert Woods will be available when we draft in the second round. 
But if that guy's there, I mean, go go watch what he does. Just go watch some highlight videos. I know it's YouTube and, and it's highlights, and they don't always you know show the, all the bad stuff. But go watch what he does and tell me that if he develops into a pro caliber receiver, that you couldn't use what he brings to the table on the do- on the dolphin. I mean, there's nobody out there that could sit here and say, yeah, we don't need a guy like that. We absolutely do. You can look at all these receivers and say, hey, you know what? We can find a spot for them. And it's not going to cost us $12 million a year to do it. Yeah, that's, I mean, the $12 million a year is, is a hard hard pill to swallow at this point. Uh, another thing I want to chime in, and uh, I was listening to you guys talk about the franchise tag. Uh, I, I think Wong is a total goner. I think that all all signs point to that at this point. And the thing is that unless the Dolphins are uh, interested, uh, interested enough in, in re-signing Long that they, they pursue some sort of franchise uh, tag move or some kind of deal uh, prior to free agency, once that guy hits, hits the market, I think he's gone. And, I, and I'm not saying that's, that's a, the right thing, but I, there are a lot of teams out there who will see the name and will – Look at their own left tackle position and see the hole yes. that they have there, and just think like, "Man, we got to get this guy." Absolutely. You can say the same of uh, Starks too. I think if Starks hits free agency, he's gone, which is why, like, if we're going to franchise anyone, it's got to be him. It's it's In the same opinion. it's the same effect as Pro Bowls. Once a once an offensive lineman makes a Pro Bowl, he continually makes a Pro Bowl because people see the name and automatically assume he's worth it. So that's why. Long will probably get that money because everybody's going to see the name. You will. Yeah, I'm here in Chicago. I, um, from what, um, Chicago is becoming a, a very popular destination for Jake Long, and they're going to have to trim salary. I think that Erlocker is going to be off the books. I think that uh, Hester is gone. So I think that, that you're going to see some teams uh, actually try to make room for Jake Long. And I don't know what kind of contract he's ultimately going to get, but. I'm also getting the feeling that the Dolphins are very much interested in getting uh, an offensive line together that plays on rookie field or somewhere in that in that uh, vicinity. Right. You know, very low money guys who I mean, you could you could pull the entire uh, earnings of those guys, and it doesn't even amount to a fraction of what Jake Long has pulled in. You know, if this is a team in terms of balance, I mean, with wide receiver we want balance. On defense we want balance. Uh, when when you have an offensive line in which Jake Long makes makes more than uh, the combined uh, sum of everyone who shows up at the stadium, that's a problem, especially at, at moving forward. So, and I mean, at this point, uh, with the injuries and everything, I just feel like it's the right time to move on. I mean, we took him with the number one overall pick, only got uh, well, only really got one uh, full contract out of him. I mean, that, that's, that's disappointing with the number one pick. But it is what it is, and the thing with Starks is he gets out there and he can play the, you know, he can play the three technique, uh, he can play zero technique in a three-four front. He can kick out, and play defensive end in a three-four front. He can pretty much do whatever you want uh, on the defensive line, uh, outside of probably just a, a straight-up pass rusher in a four-three set. So, and I mean, teams, you're seeing it right now. Guys like Sharif Floyd are just getting overvalued in this draft because. They have that sort of uh, uh, scheme diversity, that flexible skill set. So, I mean, if, if Starks get out, gets out there, I think he's gone. So, if I'm going to franchise anyone on this team, it's going to be him.
Oh, guys, don't call it that silent on me now. <laughs> I, I was trying to come up with something to say, but you pretty much said exactly. I mean, You're welcome. I, yeah, I, I'm pretty much done. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, everybody, great to. show. Yeah, happy to provide you with that service. Um, so, are are the combine weigh-ins tomorrow? Then, um, I think that they did. I think they do. I, I can't remember. Hold on. Yeah, I I gotta I gotta look it up. Which Niftily is on the Fencider. Um, right. But where is it? Where did I put it? It is right. Because I know these are two days of interviews, and then I'll have the combine schedule. Today, the the place kickers, special teamers, offensive linemen, and tight ends reported had orientation, physicals, and team interviews. Tomorrow, they have measurements, medical exams, media availability, and team interviews. So okay. yeah, the process. the way in the way in for offensive linemen and tight ends is tomorrow. Okay, so the process. And I'm so disappointed I'm right. not there. Yeah, I know. The um, the wide receivers weigh in and measurements is on Friday. Yeah, I was gonna say if because uh, it's gonna go two days before their actual uh, performance. Right. Well. That's going to be. I mean, we already know the. Well, we don't know the measurements of Choco because he's a junior, but we already know how big Fisher is because he went to the Senior Bowl. And I know right. the Senior Bowl measurements in the past have been a little bit off. I think that there was a big discrepancy last year. I'm trying to remember which uh, which player ended up like two inches shorter than they were. Oh, um, the center out of Ohio State, Brewster. He was supposed to be like six five, and then he went to the Senior Bowl, and I think they measured him at like six two or something absurd. And then, and then he went back to the combine, and I think he was taller. So I don't. He's, he's like an accordion, or, or he has some he has some issues uh, last winter. But uh, I I don't know why I, I'm a little bit interested. Not so much in the uh, the tight ends, but to really see these receivers get in there, just to see their uh, their height. I, Duke and I were talking about how we're interested to see if Cordero Patterson's really six three, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that only geeks like us would really care about. <laughs> yeah, and and as far as that goes, I don't think it's gonna necessarily hurt his stock, but you know, if he if he if he says he's six three and comes in at say you know, six foot and five eight or something like that, that's going to um I yeah, you know what, I agree. That, uh, it doesn't really hurt his stock. People will, people will say it will hurt his stock, but I look at it as like Justin Blackman, who didn't everyone think he was like a six-two, six-three receiver at Oklahoma State? Then he goes to the combine and he's he's six foot flat, and all of a sudden you get all these people who are like, well, that's not that's not number one receiver uh, height. That's not that's not the kind of build we're looking for. And I mean, and then he he goes fifth overall anyway. So, I mean you. It's it's the season season of people panicking over stupid things. So, I mean, I expect Harrison to come in about I don't know, like six to six to and a half maybe. I, mean, I think that some of the, usually it won't tail off that much. Uh, I think Drake Kirkpatrick was billed as six three, and then he went to the combine and he was six one. So definitely some lying going on there. 
<clears throat> oh, and same thing about Julio Jones. Maybe we should just expect uh, Alabama players to be shorter than we think. Because it seems like they're they're built at about two yeah. inches, two inches taller than they really are. So. We expect their coach's tenure to be shorter than you think when he comes to Miami. Oh, look at you! Oh, you liked that one, didn't you? I'm kind of because you're such a Milner fan. I'm interested to see how uh, how he does it this, this whole thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not a Milner fan. I don't know what you're talking about. I think that's one of your boys. <laughs> Didn't even hear that. What was that? Oh, I said I, I'm not a Milner fan. I think he's one of your boys. Right, right, yeah. He's he's one of the 26 on there. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is that when you play in Alabama, um, backpedaling is not uh, necessarily a priority with those guys. So the, the footwork, I mean, you saw Drake or Patrick. I think he came out and said they didn't even know how to backpedal or something. At which point, like everyone's like the heads of every scout there pretty much like, exploded. So. It's going to be interesting to see if he gets out there and how his, how his backpedal looks. Again, stuff that only geeks like us care about. Kevin, stop, stop reading during the show. I, I'm not. I, I My phone was ringing. Sorry. I was trying to make my phone stop ringing. It has been ringing off the hook because some 800 number scam phone number keeps calling me. Next statement. Tell them you have a tank. <laughs> Look, you don't want to mess with me. Just leave me alone. <laughs> you don't want to. Back in the day when uh, when telemarketing or real started to get out of control, like in the late or probably the early 2000s. I would just take these calls, and these people, I mean, you get some of these telemarketers who would just be ruthless. I mean, you cannot get these people off the phone. And then I, it would get to the point where I'd just, you know, pause for a second and then be like, so what are you wearing right now? And then <laughs> that pretty much took care of it. Those, those people would never call back. So. A friend of mine, whenever they get, like, the uh, you've been pre-approved thing in the mail, they will cut it up into little pieces and mail it back to them because they have to open it. And they're like, you know what? They wasted my time. I'm going to waste theirs. <laughs> I like it. That's so vindictive. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Nice, isn't it? I like it. So are you? Is, are you? is Milner still your boy or have we branched out at all? Oh, we, we've branched out, but if, if – if he were available, he'd be my pick. But I, I I fully expect him to not be available. See, I think that he's going to slide to probably about number 10. I think that Tennessee is probably as far as he goes. I think they, they need to they need to find uh, a replacement that they for Cortland Finnegan that they weren't really able to address last year. So that could come into play. But I mean, I think he'll, I think he'll slide a bit. I just I don't think it'll be us. But that's fine because I think we're looking for a, more of a pure man coverage guy. And Probably. when you read when you read stuff about Milner, he answers questions about man coverage. That's not necessarily good enough for what I'm looking for. Like, I don't <laughs> want a guy who answered that. I don't want a guy who answered questions. I want a, I want a guy who goes out there and just flat put the puts the clamps on. 
does he know what Spider Two Y Banana is? Uh, I don't know. It's too, you should have gone to the comments so you could ask him. Damn, should have been there. Spider no, Two Y Banana. There. Get out there and ask. <laughs> Maybe he'll surprise you. Did you see um, ESPN's uh, press release that John Gruden will be doing his quarterback, whatever it's called, mentorship again, and that he mentored Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin III, who had great seasons because of his mentorship? It was – it was – Worded in such a way that you can't argue that they lied about anything, but it definitely made it sound like they were great because John Gruden got them ready for the league. Better scumbag. So I'm kind of surprised that uh, John Gruden isn't uh, more playing up uh, the one he did with Russell Wilson, where it turned into it, sort of like motivational. It was, it was it was the, the I take it back the press release did include Russell Wilson it didn't mention Tannehill but it didn't uh, no it did not that's because Tannehill went out there and Gruden was just like wow this guy's smarter than I am <laughs> he didn't ask no, I mean, like, Tannehill I, I what Spider Two Y Banana is though well the thing is uh, <laughs> I mean the, the Russell Wilson one was kind of cool because I mean he was sitting there I mean he was harping on his height. It's kind of funny. It was, it was a really backhanded conversation where he was like, you know, I'm sure people your whole life have, telling, have been telling you that you're no good. And it's like you, you realize you are talking to a scholarship athlete, right? I mean, this, guy's, <laughs> this guy's probably had people getting no. out the palm of his hand for most of his life, whether he's five foot ten or six six. So, I mean, whatever. I'm, I'm almost bitter that John Green's not going to come back to the NFL just so he can make an half out of himself on a weekly basis. I miss those days. <laughs> Just think, people wanted that guy to be our coach, too. And I love the the quote that somebody put in. I think, like, a Bucks fan came over during that time, and they were like, oh, yeah, enjoy that. They're like John Crew never met a quarterback, quarterback prospect he didn't like, as long as the guy wasn't already on his roster. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a valid point. Well, it was funny. I mean, he just he just flipped that one out immediately, and I was like, oh, "See, this is this is what we're asking for." So, I don't know. I can say that. Uh, I I think getting back to the original point, I think Milner will will fly a little bit. I think you'll see some guys come up. I think Vicaro will will come up. I think Vicaro is going to have a berserk combine. One of my boys, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how. I, just for the record, I don't know what I say half the time I say it. Oh, Kevin. But the fun part is calling you on it. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. I, I didn't say that. It's like when you called Chris Gamble a bastard. I didn't say that. It's like, unless you're hosting this show like Blackout Drunk, which you might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to say, I was like, it wasn't that funny. Uh, no, it's been a long week at work, and uh, I'm uh, I'm glad it's Talk Dolphins night. Cause, yeah, you sound loopy. Uh, I'm not going to be able to make that hangout on Friday, so if anyone wants to do something tomorrow night, I'm game. 
Because um, it's all about know. planning around my schedule. Please, it is. It. it is all about you. I'm a pretty oh, big well. thing, but it is all about you. Right. I'm not on Forbes list yet. No. No. Only 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 some of us are lucky enough to be on Forbes. Right. Try not to piss I mean, on us from that that place high above the masses, Kevin. I mean, <laughs> so I'm just saying. Stephen Ross and I have both been on Forbes lists. Yeah, so I'm great. saying. Kevin's house of rich mahogany. I have many, many leather-bound books. Many leather-bound books. So, well, I mean, we got a lot to talk about coming up here because we've got the some of these Wayne. We could literally have an entire show talking about the Wayans and some of these guys because we are interested in getting a guard. So, whereas I don't have a lot of interest in the tackle position outside of the first two rounds, or I just well, yeah. I mean, within the first two rounds, I'm not interested in any of the the tackle prospects. But, I mean, there is a chance we might take one of these guys. Yeah. You know, maybe like a third or fourth rounder. So I mean, I think I think that if the Dolphins, if Jake Long leaves, Jonathan Martin moves to left tackle. I think you move John Jerry to right tackle, and you have a right guard need. I think it's guard that we have to fill. Or we sign Gosser Cherilis. Yeah. I'm sticking with that one. I just want to steal all of our all of our free agents from the NFC North. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, I mean, like Gosser won't care because he plays in Uncombe. But if we if we if we manage to to get Jennings, and then depending on what happens with Finley, this guy, I mean, they would just come down there and be like, "Really? Like this all the entire season? You bet." <laughs> yeah, in the off season, you go across the street and there's the beach. Yeah, exactly. You know that you know that Pro Bowl trip to Honolulu that everybody wants. We lived there, and we didn't even have to fly. <laughs> yeah, well, something you said about the the Pro Bowl and how it becomes uh, sort of like a a popularity contest and like a who's who among these, these players. That's what that's like the sole reason I'm loving that Mike Pouncey gets overlooked on this stuff. Yep, Mike Pouncey. Mike Pouncey. I mean, he's been an alternate, I believe. Yes. But I, I don't think he, yeah, two years in a row he, he's been a Pro Bowl alternate, so it's a bridesmaid. But it's but, because his brother was here first, and everybody knows his brother's name. Well, and Pittsburgh fans travel well. They're, it's yes. like when uh, Yao used to get the most votes for the All-Star game every year, and he wasn't even playing. <laughs> you know, Marquis Marquis <laughs> County is the Yao Ming of the NFL. I'm so. pretty sure Yao Ming still gets the most votes. They just don't count those. I'm sure he does. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. But, I mean, regardless, it's something where... Um, it's a lively show not, we have tonight. What's that? It's a lively show we have tonight. We're all drunk. It is what it is. <sighs> oh. Duke and I are getting ready because we're going to go. We're going to go study film later on. That's what we do. Yeah, um, pimping ain't easy, my friend. I've been I've been in those film studies. Those aren't football players you're watching. Well, that's because you you buffed it up yeah. and you start putting up videos of uh, like rap videos and everything. <laughs> yeah. so we're, we're trying to ruin my reputation. You guys are playing the trivia games. Oh, well, that was one time. That was fun though. <laughs> 
we spent like four hours doing that. I'm ashamed to admit how long we played that game. <laughs> but, hey, it was awesome. But, and when you show up, we go from like watching, seriously watching film. I think we got through a bunch of receivers, and then Kevin shows up, and we're watching like the rap videos. Or Hey, hey have you seen the new Macklemore video? Yeah, go Go put you it up were, there. You were busy showing me what's his face, the two hundred and fifty thousand pound running back. Oh, Niall Davis. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, Niall I, Davis uh, didn't. I knew it started with the K, but I couldn't remember his name. Niall starts with a K. Hey, if you want to pronounce it without the the K silent, that's fine. Niall <laughs> Davis. We'll just call him Niall Davis. That's fine. <laughs> He yeah, plays in Arkansas. I'm sure you're not the first person to pronounce it that way. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, I have, boy. Um, I have read that uh, Kanyle Davis is um, slowly <laughs> moving up draft boards, and depending on what he does at the combine, could enter second-round range. And when I read that, I kind of got that feeling in my stomach, like, oh, crap. Because, see, Keith and I have been discussing the fact that we were going to add Kanyle Davis with Lamar Miller, and have the pound-for-pound biggest, fastest, and most dynamic backfield in the NFL while um, while everyone else just mourned. Um, So if he he reaches second-round territory and goes uh, before we can get him, I won't be very disappointed. I was going to say, where was he on that ranking? I mean, he was like the the 14th. Highest rated running back in this class or something. I mean, like if it if it comes down where we just get Mike James out of Miami later on, just someone who can, it, somewhat of a thumper, but also a guy who can run. That's fine. But yeah, the the idea of getting a guy like Kyle or yeah, let's just call him Kyle Davis, uh, some guy who like the the size to speed ratio is out of this world because Lamar Miller is about two eighteen, Kyle Davis is about two twenty. And I would make the case that they're probably both four three guys. I mean, I don't know about you, but after watching that video, I think Niall Davis is a four three guy. So we're not yeah. gonna call him. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I will. Yeah. I will. I will preface all of that by saying that there was National Football Post that had that article. So, uh, well, they take it. And who do they have as the number one prospect in this draft? Um, Ryan Nassib. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can't write stuff that funny. But uh, but I, I could see that happening. I could see him weighing in, coming in at six foot, about two twenty two, going out there and running say a four four oh flat, and people are going to be like, you know, they're going to be like, ooh, let's let's, let's get this guy because let's face it, there's not too many guys that are six foot two twenty two and run a four four flat. Exactly. I mean, he's uh, he's you know, I mean, we watched that video. Some of those, some of the angles that he beat, were were just had us with our jaws on the ground. So, I don't know. That's I'm not really interested in getting any running backs until at least the fourth round. But some of those things where I, I have to say that the idea of Lamar Miller and Niall Davis playing together is incredibly tempting. So. Oh, man. Um, interesting question from Ohio. Do you think the Dolphins open on the home or on the road, and who do you predict is their first opponent this year? Hmm. I've actually given that some thought, and 
depends if uh, the NFL decides that they want to stick it to us. And for some reason, I think they will. My my gut feeling is on the road at Baltimore on the Thursday night opener. Simply for the reason that, number one, we're fighting the Super Bowl champs on the road. I don't like that. And two, it's on Thursday night. So when opening day of football starts, which is technically, in my opinion, on Sunday, and I'm all excited, I'll have already watched the Dolphins, and I'll have to wait till the next week, and I'll leave. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I get to watch them like a couple of days earlier, but I'm I'm all into you know big Sunday afternoon thing. But that's kind of that's my thought. So that's for that's that's my guess. I'm gonna say that one on the road to Baltimore on Thursday night. That's not bad. I mean, if they can play up, the, we might play them at home. I don't know. If Whoever we, if we is, land, the open game. if we land, um. Actually, yeah, Baltimore's a home game. All right, well, we'll, we'll, open it, we'll open at home with them then on Thursday night. But no, they have to open. They have to open in Baltimore because they're the Super Bowl champs. You're out. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness. They have, to, they have to open at home. I think the Dolphins open home because they opened on the road last year. I think they open home, and it's probably the Patriots. See, I'll say they open home against Buffalo. That, that's the other one. It's, it's Buffalo or the Patriots, but I think it's going to be the Patriots. Loving the fact that Pete Metzelars is throwing uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick under the bus. <laughs> did you read that? I did. That's funny. I wonder if that that sort of uh, hints at what they're going to do. I mean, Buffalo's pretty uh, transparent about their draft plans anyway, so if they're going to draft a quarterback, they're pretty much going to tell you. I mean, they're not like Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, who tweets a bunch of uh, song lyrics hinting at what he's going to do that day or whatever that moron did when he <laughs> first came to Seattle. But uh, I think Buffalo's pretty transparent. So if they really like one of the quarterbacks in this draft, they, if they want to go with, like, Geno Smith or even uh, even like Mike Lennon, if they want to try to – because he's got the, the arm to, to hold up in a place like uh, uh, Orchard Park. Um, for the record, the quote from Metzlar's is, I don't want to throw Fitz under the bus, but you've got to get an answer at quarterback. That's not That's got to be the number one priority. So, see, he didn't want to throw him under the bus. He just did. Yeah, right. It's like, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but, you know, here we go. Crunch. <laughs> there he is. That's fine. I'm going to be interested to see what that team's draft plans are uh, moving forward. I'm incredibly in, intrigued to see what the Jets do. I hope they just screw themselves, of course. But just looking at here, I'm like, oh, man, so many players they can go with at that number nine spot. Yeah, yes, they could. And they need everything. They do. The best would be, and because it's ESPN, well, I don't watch ESPN coverage. I watch uh, NFL Network because I like uh, logic. And uh, Wait, what? I know, right? Uh Part part of me uh, just dreams of the idea with with you know like when they traded up Sanchez and you saw Sanchez on the phone all of, like New York was like going nuts. It'd be funny <laughs> yeah. if they did that and took another quarterback while Sanchez is watching. And then, <laughs> they have a camera in his house watching. And uh, <laughs> and then I uh, you see like Rex Ryan's tattoo and like the the six has been like lasered off. <laughs> 
turn it into an eight and they take Mike Lennon or something. They just yeah. like they go ahead and like laser that little line in. <laughs> Looking good, Rex. He has a tattoo artist there in the war room. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a sleeveless shirt. I mean, they, let's let's face it; it's not like he's above that. <laughs> hey, uh, can you guys can can you guys go ahead and turn in this card? I I, I got to talk to this guy over here. Hey, can you can you add a little curve right here on the six? Yeah, you know, you see how that looks like a six? Can you make that a make that an eight and and get me a snack? Then the guy goes, well, I'm going to do Kermit the Frog, right? We're going to do a nice Kermit the Frog. <laughs> yeah, Kermit the Frog. I want a skull. <laughs> no, I absolutely get that reference. I love that. <laughs> Just one of the many uh, draft storylines I think you're going to see. And Beavers. I mean, Beaver's answer is that they trade up and get Geno Smith. For the death? Yeah. Interesting. They may have to go to number one to do it. And apparently the Chiefs may want to get out of there. I don't think they can trade up because um, they're going to be cutting players. (laughs) Yeah, they just cut five. Worst worst cap situation ever. They cut five yesterday, including Calvin Pace and... uh, Bart Scott. Yeah, how ruthless was that? They pretty much just took those guys out back and shot them. Yeah. I mean, it just comes back, and it's like, and I remember they were talking about they wanted Bart Scott to restructure, and then like 10 seconds later on Twitter, it's just just release Bart Scott. Yeah. It can't happen quick. One of, their, one of their beat writers, I think it was a beat writer, but one of those guys was like, yeah, I've confirmed that the Jets are uh, going to talk to Bart Scott next week about restructuring his deal. And then, like, his next tweet from the same guy is, never mind, Jets announced they've cut him. <laughs> yeah, they kept him longer than they needed to. I'm not going to miss miss having to look at that guy. I loved playing against him because I, I never thought he was that good, but having to look at that, that stupid smirk on his face. Ugh. Nothing. It was obvious the Jets couldn't wait. They they couldn't wait. (laughs) Well played. We're cutting Bart Scott. Can't wait. (laughs) Then they pay they pay him his royalty trademark that thing as they cut him. (laughs) Hey, this isn't a bonus or a severance check, but you know what? Can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, here you go, buddy. A little you know, a little something for the effort. Lama. What what are they going to do? I mean, the only person who's going to talk to the media now is who? Rex? That's going to be boring. Rex should be kept away from microphones at all times. It's funny because uh, you, you saw that swagger come back to Jets fans during that, that brief period where they went to a back-to-back yep. uh, AFC Championship games, but now we're reverting to how they act the rest of the time. Yep. Like when, it's, when that team's a doormat and they're – uh, a perennial top five pick, and you're seeing that, and it's just like the ultimate state of self-loathing. I know it's great, isn't it? Hopefully, we start to get our swagger back. I think we will. I think that I I thought at times the problem is we couldn't harness it consistently. But I thought there were times that last year where you really saw uh, 
especially on offense, where it was like, man, that's the first time in ages where we've really packed a punch on offense. And yeah. that was with the that was with the personnel we had at the time. Imagine what we can do with an, a, a legitimate, balanced receiver core. Yeah, the 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 uh, the, the offense was able to at times absolutely just move the ball at will, and then drives would stall out because either we'd have a stupid penalty or you just once you get further down the field, the field gets smaller and they can clamp down on Devon Bess and Brian Hartline and suddenly there's nobody to throw the ball to. So we weren't very we weren't very good in the red zone and that's something where I think as we're looking at these receivers in the draft, a lot of yeah. these guys like Edmund Bailey, Robert Woods, even Wheaton, uh those guys are very good in the red zone. Every time you say Wheaton, all I can think of is Will Wheaton on uh, Big Bang Theory. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm hoping we adopt. If we draft that guy, every time he scores, we're like, we can. <laughs> every time, that's all I think of. <laughs> and it's not, even, it's not even Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher. It's Will Wheaton as Will Wheaton on Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I know, and he's just such a bastard. Yeah. If, we, if we draft him, we should all get shirts that say, the Wesley Crushers. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> you you named the team after him? <laughs> no, we're not. It's not the Wesley Crushers. It's the Wesley Crushers. Um, I'm actually starting to think, and, and granted, I think I, I'll think and overanalyze a lot this time of year, but I think if the Dolphins are going to take any receiver early in the first, or early in the second round, I think it's going to be Marcus Wheat. I think that Robert Woods could be an option there. Uh, there are some other guys who will make sense, like a Quentin Patton, uh, who could become a pretty strong prospect coming up here. But I think that for the most bang for the buck, and the fact that he's got the hands that this, this regime covets, uh, I think Wheaton is going to make a lot of sense. So, yeah, you might you might want to think about printing up those uh, Wesley Crusher shirts. <laughs> Wheaton? You need to update the uh, T-shirt store. Well, we could oh, yeah. um, we could show up to the games in a Star uniform. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm more worried by the fact that do you have a Star Trek uniform? I do not. I, I can. Oh, I, can I was say hoping I you not. say you did. My, I do not. My I, phone may have Star that Trek. Is a, that is a regret I have. Would you be would you be when a red uniform is bad or when a red uniform is good? That's the question. I'll be a red captain u- uniform, of course. So would it be a red one, like next generation, or would it be when red meant you were going to die on the away mission? Oh right, oh, I'm next generation. I'm next generation all the way. <laughs> and see, this is why we say the Finsider Podcast may talk about just about anything. Because suddenly we're on to Star Trek. <laughs> we all hate ourselves. That's the conversation started. I'm all about it. I'm really excited. Sunday is going to be a blast to finally just get these see these receivers get out there. So, and I've been waiting a year ever ever since we passed on most of the receivers in that class. I pretty much set set my calendar for this combine so we could really watch these guys go to work. And talk about a dilemma. What's the combine Sunday afternoon? The 500. 
Well, DVR one. Well, DVR one and watch the other. Or I will five hundred. Well, I'll definitely be DVR in the combine. I've already got third. I've already got Saturday's tight end one set. There you go. Um, I know. I know. Jeff Ireland is supposed to speak on Thursday. I'm trying to look up the time. 11.15. So he can tell us that he's going to draft playmakers? Yeah, Jeff Ireland's speaking from 11.15 to 11.30 uh, Thursday morning. Yes, to draft players at impact positions. And who's making something in the microwave? I mean, you know, even the beat writers understand that the Dolphins front office is very good at saying a lot of nothing. Oh, they are. Absolutely. It really means nothing. So why do they keep interviewing him and doing this stuff? It's like, uh, I don't know. Why, why do they keep doing it? Just stop. You know what he's going to say. For the record, Rex Ryan talks at 4 p.m. Thursday afternoon. That should be fun. <clears throat> Jeff Ireland is followed by Greg Shiano who, if Jeff doesn't stop talking on time, Greg may try to undercut him. He can take out his knees or something. Yeah, that, that, that whole... Um, say again? I was say, that whole Greg Shiano, uh we're trying to win the game to the very last second thing, that's going to work. And they don't keep doing that until someone does it to their team. Yep. And Josh Freeman goes down with a torn ACL or... Achilles injury or something like else like that, and then you'll never see that again ever. 3 p.m. on Thursday, Andy Reid is talking, and it looks really weird to see Kansas City Chiefs next to his name. <laughs> Just not right. It's amazing how many of these teams have their coach and their GM talking. Like, one will talk for 15 minutes, and then they're the other one has the next 15 minutes. In case you guys don't know, which I'm sure you two know, but um, if, if you don't follow the Combine as in-depth as these two do, um, GMs and coaches speak with the media on Thursday and Friday. They get 15-minute blocks, so that's all they get. So it's not that... They, they're scheduling 15 minutes. That's all the NFL allows them. So they talk for between 10 and 15 minutes, and then they get off the stage, and the next guy comes up. So that's a really big wall people are signing with Jerry Buss's picture on it. I just looked up on, on ESPN, and apparently there's a giant wall with Jerry Buss's picture on it. Um. Yeah, Beaver Beaver pointed it out. Miami misdirection is famous world round. And it absolutely is. The the, the Dolphins are great at the smoke screen. Now um, I think Jarrell Wilson is a great safety. We we drafted Ted Ginn and his whole family. Um, but we seem to have lost Keith, which is kinda sad. So, yeah, apparently Keith is gone, and then the show is just done. 
Do you have anything that you want to talk about? If you guys, if you guys, who you listen, the, who do you, who do you, no, who's your pick for the five hundred? I'm going Jeff. I have to go with the twenty-four. Well, he's starting up front. He is. He is. I like it. Um, I have to go with the twenty-four. I, I, I have to believe that he he understands this new car because it's so it's so reminiscent of the old car. So I I, I have to believe that he's going to do well. I need him to get that fifth championship. <laughs> Based on the um. The race past Saturday night, Matt Kenseth looks like he's um, does. he's going to be up front a lot. So he does. I don't want him to win, but that would be my pick right now. Um, depending Kenseth on what happens tomorrow in the duels, Harvick looks good. Um, yeah, I forgot the duels are tomorrow, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Right. Go ahead. Beaver said, "Get another if, thing to fill out my DVR." We don't land Mike Wallace, who's next, and the easy answer is Craig Jennings. Um, but say we we strike out on both of those. Who else is out there? Is it all draft at that point? Um. No, I think we'd bring in kind of. I don't think we'd go for a Welker or none of those guys. I think you go for a. Um, you know, like a third tier kind of guy. Just bring in, bring in a guy. Say you brought in a guy, and then, um, and then, um, then go hard in the draft. I think. I think if we strike out on both of those guys, it requires Hartline to be resigned. I think Hartline's going to be resigned. I don't think we go Jennings and Wallace. Both. I think it's Hartline and one of those guys. I just think that, I mean, again, I know Dolphins fans don't like Hartline because he's not super fast or super elite or whatever, but he got caught 70 some passes over 1,000 yards. You don't just take a guy like that and say, yeah, well, you know, see you later. Have fun. Yeah. Have my fly. You know. So, you, know, you, you don't want to finance $12 million a year either, but, you know, you just try to find something reasonable and work out a deal and bring a guy like that back. You know, and if he doesn't produce like that again, cut him and do something else. Uh, Alpha wants to know, regardless of free agency, do you go defense or offense at 12? Well, this is actually one, one thing that Omar and I do agree on, and that is I believe that we address the offensive side of the ball in free agency and then use a lot of our draft picks for defense. I think it's the same um, way, yeah. The main reason is that the positions we need to upgrade on the defensive side of the ball are very expensive. So, you know, you can get a guy like Chris Gamble for a fairly reasonable contract because of his age. He will be 30, so you're not going to pay him a huge contract. But you can probably get him, you know, for the $8 million a year, $10 million a year range. But a pass rusher, another starting corner, all that stuff, that's all high, high-dollar stuff in free agency. So I think we I think we see at least 
three of our first five picks on defense. I think we go defense in the first round. I think that's where the majority of the talent is um, in the first round that we can use true font uh, or some corner, pass rusher. Um, I think we look for a safety in the second second and third round. I think we look for another corner or a pass rusher in the second or third round. Um, So, if we don't pick up a corner in free agency like Gamble, we don't really come from We're going to have to go two corners. Um, so I think we're going to get a tight end, a, a wide receiver, maybe some offensive line help in free agency, and then we're going to look we're going to look very defensive in the draft. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the way to go. Um, the only the only thing I think that offense wise, unless unless you're looking at like a guard. Um, but if you're looking at offense, I think they, they're going to draft a wide receiver early simply so that way there's somebody developing. And I, I'm not ruling yeah. out, I mean, Jeff Fuller, um, Matthews, those guys, I'm not ruling them out. They could develop. Remember, it takes about three years for a uh, – I think the – Lakers just retired Jerry Buss's chair. Not 100% of what's happening, but they have a spotlight on one chair and Kobe Bryant is pointing up at it. I'm not 100%. But um no, I think uh I think that those guys could develop. It takes about 3 years for a wide receiver to develop into whatever he's going to be. And I think for the record, I think that you have to give the same thing to a tight end. You have to give him 3 years. Just like everybody else, I mean, we say you can't, um, you you can't judge a draft for three years because, I mean, look at JJ uh, Watt. He's so much more this year than he was last year. He could develop even more next year. Um, it's you, you have to give him a couple years at least. So I think that those guys that are on our roster right now, but have been the number five, number six wide receiver, those guys are going to take some time to develop, and we're still going to have a chance to see what they become. But I think you do take a wide receiver early. I think the other thing is you could get a tight end in those first three rounds because, I mean, I think it's 50-50 right now on Egnew. People are very against him. Fans are very against him simply because that's a third-round pick that never saw the field except for the last two games, and then it was no passes thrown his way. Um, you could go tight end and try and just basically give up on Egnew. I'm not. I'm not to the point where I want to give up on him. I think that there's still something there. Um, Missouri tight ends historically come into the league not knowing how to block, and he now has an entire off season, an entire season, and an entire off season to try to get better at blocking. And I know that there's been reports in the anonymous team sources that say that he needs to be cut, and wasn't it Bo Camper who said that he needs to be cut? But I, I'm not a hundred percent sold that Agnew is a bust. Um, I wouldn't be against getting a tight end. I mean, the Patriots have shown having multiple tight ends is not a bad thing. So, I, I could go tight end, but I think the I think you are right that the the draft this year is going to be primarily defense. Yeah, 
And I think the guy that, that nobody's mentioning, but I think could be on the hot seat in terms of, um, you know, whether or not he makes a team. There's a couple of people, actually. Um, number one is kind of surprising. That would be Javorski Lane. Yeah. Um, he, I think he's going to have to, uh, to step up a little bit to keep his roster spot, especially if we're signing a guy like Sano. Not that he's necessarily a pullback, but um, to using the H-back as a guy out of the backfield, um, he's is a little more effective than Lane. But the other guy that you you know, we're talking about tight ends, that's Charles Clay. Yes. Um, you know, we also on Hard Knocks where um, you know, Sherman was giving him and Agnew up the road. And um and so, um, you know, he he's coming off a knee injury, so I think he'll probably start the season on the P U P. But there's a guy out there, um, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with, and that's Jordan Reed. Yep. That is probably gonna be in second to third round range. And he's drawing comparisons with, say, to like Aaron Hernandez. And I, I've watched some some film on him. He's very athletic. You can line him up as a receiver, and he's exactly the type of, of scene threat that this that this offense needs. So I could really see them bringing him in as an H back type, and Charles Clay losing his position more than Eggs. Um, or you could see both of those guys. I mean, you could see a complete overhaul. I still think they bring back Fasano. Um, it just depends how, how they feel about him as a starting tight end, uh, how they you know, feel about a guy like Jordan Reed, whether or not he can contribute as a, as a starting tight end. Um, but I could see it's good for a free agent, like, say, Martellus Bennett. That's who I would want to pick up. Bring Fasano in as an H-back and then draft a guy like Jordan Reed, and then Agnew and, and Clay would be cut. Um, I could see that happen. So that, that's a guy I'm going to be watching, definitely watching him Saturday to see what his 40 time is and see how he performs the drill. Um, that's the guy I can see is picking up in the second or third round. Um, but I agree. I think our draft could – I think our draft right now, our first five picks, assuming there's no trade down, we don't pick them any extra picks, we'll trade up or whatever. I think we go cornerback or defensive end in the first. I think we go cornerback or defensive end in the second, whichever we don't get in the first round. I think we go with the other second-round pick, I think we get a receiver and or – I'd tie it in like Reed if they feel it necessary. The third round, I think we go with another cornerback. And then we go either guard, a tight end, or receiver at that position. So I really think that's how our draft's going to go. And then fourth round on up, it's just best player available. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping Kanile Davis will make it to. Um, to make it to the fourth round, and Kyle uh, <laughs> uh, Davis. Yeah, uh, it's 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 happening, man. So um, we just just have to deal with Kyle. Um, but well, and then what we could do is he could get number twenty-one, and everybody could keep their Davis jerseys. It was a win-win situation. But um, <laughs> but I well think um, but I, I you know. I think our, our our draft is going to be heavily defensive. I think we could look at some linebackers. I think that's a position a lot of people aren't um, really doing right now, but I think that's something that could sneak into that third-round range. Uh, Miami goes to the podium, and they pick, and then it's a linebacker. That may surprise some people, but um, I think it was uh, Omar or somebody from the Sun Sentinel point out that right now our, our defenses make it twice as much as our offense. Yep. Um 
so we might get a little uh, and a little less expensive at uh, on defense by ridding ourselves of a linebacker uh, personnel, considering that they are getting a little older. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that there's anybody out there right now that uh, is just a super stud linebacker that we we would have to have, but um, there's some guys that they could bring in for some depth, develop, and then maybe, you know, 2014, let Burnett and or Dansby go. I think and, I think uh, this is Dansby's last year. I just – his number becomes so huge in 2014 that I think you – he plays this year out and then you release him as a salary cap cut next year. So, yeah, I think – I mean, I don't know what Kadu becomes – um, he he could be the guy that replaces Dansby, but I mean we don't know yet. Or yeah, you draft somebody this year specifically thinking he's the guy to replace Dansby. Yeah, there there are a number of guys in the third to fourth round range that we could pick up that would be <clears throat> it would be really good. Um, uh, linebackers. Uh, <clears throat> A couple names is uh, AJ Klein from um, Iowa State or Iowa. I can't remember which one. Um, Xavier Gooden from Missouri. Um, Co Moore from Penn State. These are guys that are later round picks, uh, probably third day picks, but uh, <clears throat> guys you can bring in for depth, uh, especially at the outside linebacker position. We, I think that's where we. I think the inside linebacker we're okay because. Let's say Dansby goes down. You could always move Burnett over. Yeah. Um, at outside linebacker, we were ending up with you're going to see playing Trusnick and uh, Jonathan Freeney and um, oh heck somebody else I don't even remember at the outside linebacker. And I don't think they're necessarily a great fit for a four three. So we could bring in a guy like Xavier Gooden, who's probably going to uh, blow up the combine. He's expected to probably run at the four fours. So. Bring in a guy like that or see him more for depth, develop them, give Missy another year, um, see how he does in the 4 3, and then um, start. I, I do think that going into the 2014 draft, depending on how this one works, and if it falls the way I, I hope it does, I'm seeing uh, linebacker being our biggest need in 2014. Um, and we can really set ourselves up as a team this year. Go into the 2014 draft. The 2014 offseason was really very few needs, and um, and just taking who we want to to upgrade any position we want to. Um, and I think that <clears throat> I think that I think that kind of answers Ohio's point earlier on that other than quarterback, everything on this team seems to be a question mark right now. And part of that is it's the offseason that every team suddenly has question marks where they didn't before. I mean, the Patriots have question marks at wide receiver now because they're probably letting Wes Welker go. Who are they going to go after? Possibly Brandon Lloyd, actually. Yep. So it's every team's that way, but I think that we purposely set it up this way. The, uh, I think that the way that Jeff Ireland has set it up and he, he's come out and said that, this year was his plan, but I think that um, we set it up for all these contracts 
these big giant contracts to be gone. And now we have the money to play with. And so, yeah, I think you're right. This offseason, you fill all these holes with all these extra draft picks we have, all all this money in free agency. You fill the holes, and then next year, you don't have all these needs when you get to the draft. And you're looking for depth, and you're looking for replacement players. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I think that um, that sets us up, too, to go after some really, in my opinion, blue-chip players in 2014. Um, Load up now, and then, you know, let's say we load up, we pick up, and, you know, a lot of people were down on Jeff Ireland. Um, It's to the point now it's it's getting old, but if you look at what he did in, in last year's draft, aside from Michael Agnew, the guy found a starting quarterback, potentially, and more than likely a starting left tackle, a uh, decent role player who could develop into a starting defensive end player, a starting running back, a potentially good wide receiver out of however many picks he had, uh, good defensive tackle depth. So I don't think he, he had eight picks. Only two were considered, you know, bust or, you know, didn't contribute, and that was uh, Cunningham and Agnew. Everyone else played and did something. So um, <clears throat> I think he crushed it. So let's say he, he wheels and deals and, 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 and in free agency and has another draft similar to this where he lands a huge number of players next year or this upcoming draft that are starters that will contribute. You know, don't be surprised if we don't move up and say go for Jadavion Clowney. Or uh, you know my my picks Ferry and Jenkins, um, or you know a guy like that. So uh, how how we do this offseason really sets up what we can do in the future. Yeah. Uh, you know we can pick up a guy. I mean I don't think anyone out there who uh, has seen Clowney play would oppose the Dolphins trading up to get that guy. No. Um, it's going to be him up with Lake. And, and right now, you know, I mean, they're saying he's number one overall, so that's a move to get him. Yeah. yeah. Now, by so, then, some quarterback will have jumped up there. And... Yeah, so, I mean, it's he's the top three for sure, regardless. So, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, you're looking at, you know, it, but it just opens up so much. And I think that's what Keith and I were talking about the other night. It's, it's, it's so odd to be a Dolphins offseason and not talk about quarterbacks. Yes. I mean, all night, we've not talked about quarterbacks. We've not talked about quarterbacks in this draft, free-heading quarterbacks, no Matt Flynn syndrome. So it's so nice to be able to go into a draft saying, you know what, with the first-round pick, man, you can do this, or do this, or do this, and none of us about a quarterback. And we have so much freedom, and it can be even better in 2014. Um, so I'm, I'm going to trust that Ireland can get it done and, and – uh, this offseason, especially in this draft, I think there's a lot of players. And I think part of the difference that Keith and I talked about and we've mentioned before is I think that when you pair him up with Philbin and you bring in Philbin's knowledge and how he how he looks at the game and what he wants to build, I think when you look at that, I think that's going to make a big difference in who we draft. Because if you notice, you know, Ireland has had by himself two drafts, you know, with Forget about the, the, the Parcells. He's had two drafts. 
first draft was with Tony Sperano. And yep. we had to take a bouncy, trade it up for Daniel Thomas. Um, <clears throat> we took Sperano-type players. Nothing makes wrong against Pouncey. I think the guy's an elite. He was an elite prospect in his position. Right. But you look at the Stillman draft, and suddenly we have a quarterback, a left tackle, a running back, possible receiver, possible pass rusher, seems to tackle. we got guys all over the place. So I think, you know, when they go to the combine, and this is what, you know, we we'll, laugh about those credentials and stuff, but what I really wanted to get out, if I was able to go to the combine, was to actually I, I would have loved to sit down with Ireland and Philbin while they were watching players and just just learn how they looked at players, what they saw that maybe I don't see or that fans don't see. You know, when when this guy runs a 40-time, when Cordarrelle Patterson, Cordarrelle Patterson, how you say his name, runs a 40, and all the fans say, oh, we got to have this guy. I want to see, I wanted to hear what those guys say. Well, this is, you know, watch this or watch that. And kind of, kind of, you know, learn from that because I think you pair those two together. I think Ireland has a good eye for some kinds of talent, but he, he lacks in others. And I think Philbin takes up the slack for that. So I think when when they look at receivers, for instance, that Philbin's style, his his slant toward receivers, what he what he wants is going to be conveyed to Ireland, and that's what Ireland's going to go get. So. Um, I think that's going to help us out more than anything. And, I, and I, you know, I, I don't want to pass the buck off to Sperano or Henny or anybody else, which is easy to do because Ireland was involved with some of these bad drafts and, yeah. and, and, and the bad years. But when you combine the whole picture, I think Ireland and Philbin together, that yeah. makes a good combination because Ireland knows how to find the – I mean, when it comes to the sixth, seventh round and undrafted guys, uh, Ireland is dead on with that kind of stuff. He's good in the first round for the most part. Uh, but I think bringing in Philbin to kind of, he's like, this is the kind of player I'm looking for. This is what I want. And I think he can show Ireland the type of players he wants to get. So that's why I think Keith and I are so, we're excited about it because I think Philbin will look at these players and say, you know, receiver here, you know, receiver X, Y, Z over here, these are the guys that I want. These are the type of guys I want, and then Ireland will go and get one of them, and I think we'll be in good shape. Yeah, Duke, we're coming up on our hard out, so uh, unless you have anything last minute, I got about three minutes before we have to stop the show. So <laughs> no, I think I think I'm good. Okay, well, guys, thank you very much, everybody in the live thread. Thank you very much for taking part. Uh, Keith and Duke, thank you guys for calling in tonight. And we will be back. Theoretically, we'll be back next Wednesday. We'll see. We seem to be doing it, like I said, at the start of the show. Seem to be doing the podcast about every other week right now. Um, We'll see what happens. Next week, we'll probably have more to talk about with the Combine finishing up. So we'll be back probably next Wednesday. Maybe, maybe not. We'll let you know. Well, if we hold off. Well, let's see. Next week will be the end of the combine. Yep. If we and did two weeks after that, it would be the first first part first of part free of agency. free agency. Yeah. So, so that, we'll uh, that could that's we'll see how it works. <laughs> yep. And then uh, Friday night, um, I have an event Friday, but it should not be late enough to affect the Google Hangout. I know Keith said he can't be there, and Duke, are you going to be available Friday night? Um. 
Lord Wheeling and the Creek Mountain Rouse. Say again? said Lord Wheeling and the Creek Mountain Rouse. Okay, that's what I thought you said, but just checking. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was so for Alpha. We, we, should be, we should be up Friday night doing our Google Hangout, me and Duke. Um, so we'll, uh... If, if that's going to change, we'll put something up on the site, but if not, we'll see you guys Friday night. Thanks, everybody, and have a good night. Deuces. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, listen to podcasts. Check it out.